And I am Morgan, aka Bon, and this is a gaming podcast talking about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms and almost every genre. Please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast, as well as share it on social media and with your friends. If you are on YouTube, please leave a comment. Uh, asking a question, uh, giving me your opinion on something, or just for the algorithm. Finally, if you are on Discord, please join the show's channel. Link is in the description below so we can talk about games, this podcast, sports, or whatever else you fancy. Thank you to this month's Patreon supporters PK, Uber Timmy, Hassan, Christian, Manmade Golf, Renault, and The Dawn. If you would like to support this podcast and my other content, please check out patreon.com slash bon diesel. Okay. Uh, last but not least, please consider contributing to my extra life 2022 campaign by clicking on the link in the description or comments below or on the app or whatever. Let's get into the gaming news. Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard. This will obviously be the main thing I talk about today, as well as some other stuff. In a GamesBeat article by Mike Minotti, we find the details of this purchase. Quote, that deal is valued at about $70 billion. In comparison, Microsoft spent $7.5 billion on Bethesda and ZeniMax. Quote, for Microsoft, this gives it access to some of the biggest gaming properties in history, including Call of Duty, which every year releases a best-selling shooter. The Blizzard side is home to Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch. Activision also owns King, makers of the mobile mega-hit Candy Crush saga. End of quote. So this was a big one. Um, there's a, there's a few little side stories I want to touch on here and then we'll start digging into what I think this means and what I think is going to happen. So, um, the, probably the biggest thing looming over this deal was the fact that Bobby Kodak, um, who has been accused of, uh, basically really bad management, but, um, even more nefariously of, um, ignoring issues that he knew were there potentially perpetrating some of the issues that have been talked about and complained about at Activision and Blizzard at the very least he's not done enough to stop what's going on at the very worst he's been a part of it so a lot has been around um is Bobby Kodak gonna stay is he still gonna be there and um long story short we don't know um Everything leans and common sense leans to that he will be gone. It doesn't really make sense for him to stay uh, for him or uh, for uh, Xbox and kind of the 
the vibe around Xbox right now and for the last so many years. Um, the, the thing is, is that basically they can't talk about what they will or would do, um, what Xbox would do with Activision property, uh, and employees and everything until the deal is, is done until it's approved by the U S government, because there's a bunch of laws with acquisitions where you can't talk about what you're going to do because it can impact the, uh, stock prices, um, of the whole market and those specific companies before the sale is complete. So you could, in theory, boost up the stock price. So say Xbox says, we're booting Bobby. We're going to stop doing Call of Duty yearly. We're, you know, they, they do a bunch of stuff that would increase their stock price. And then when Bobby leaves and gets a big stock option, then he makes a ton of money and they don't want people to be able to do that. It's not just with gaming, it's with any acquisition or merger situation with any type of uh, company or um, any type of uh, platform or whatever. So, so yeah, so, so, you know, obviously that sucks. Hopefully Bobby Kodak's gone. I'm pretty confident he's gone as soon as this deal wraps up and, um, and hopefully that will start working towards some better conditions and better management and stuff at Activision Blizzard. Obviously, you know, there's going to be other people who are going to have to leave. It isn't just Bobby Kodak. You know, it's not just the head of the snake that will hurt you. It's, it's the whole body, um, all the way down the body. So we can, um, you know, it, we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, but this is a big deal. This is, I I've seen a lot of people talking about how this is probably the biggest gaming news story ever. And it's just, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Um, I, I, I really hope that it's, it's just not going to be, uh, you know, an, another waste of, of, of time with Activision and Blizzard, these two, um, s- you know, story developers and publishers that have really kind of plateaued over the last so many years, obviously call of duty still puts out crazy, you know, they sell tons of call of duty every year. It, it's even though they shouldn't, because honestly, the games just, in my opinion, aren't that good. Um, but you know, here we are, um, and so, uh, you know, the big talking point as well, besides Bobby Kodak has been, so is call of duty going to be an exclusive game? And it's been really funny. Um, you see a lot of, a lot of people, you know, really like hitting that copium really hard of like, well, there's no way, there's no way that they would take away call of duty from PlayStation. It's, it's, uh, it sells the best on PlayStation, which I'm sure it does. Um, cause they have the largest install base, right? And it's, it's just, it's funny to me that, that there's such a, um, and there's been some statements made. Um, Phil Spencer has come out and said, uh, in very vague language, the whole the same thing he did with Bethesda Zenimax of like, we will honor everything that we've, we've honored before all of the agreements and all of that. And we value, you know, the, uh, that, that, you know, we want games on many platforms. Uh, so what that tells me is, uh, like almost everything's going to be exclusive once this deal wraps up. Um, 
Bethesda was a little different because they don't have like a war zone type game. So it wouldn't surprise me if like a f like free to play offerings could remain uh, multi-platform, um, a war zone type game. But, you know, once this deal's done, Call of Duty's going to be an Xbox exclusive. It's going to be day one on Game Pass. And um, and that goes for Diablo. That goes for... Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about them potentially trying to port um, World of Warcraft to console, and it would be Xbox exclusive as well. Um, you know, all of these properties uh, that that they have, um, Overwatch, it's just it's 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 crazy. Um, Starcraft and Warcraft, I, I don't think are as popular with the console people, but it's a it's a whole new audience to go after. So. Um, yeah, th there's a lot of talk and, and even PlayStation came out and kind of was like, we really hope that we, we know Xbox. They were kind of passive aggressive about it. Go figure of like, you know, we know Xbox values games on all platforms, which is kind of funny because PlayStation's done so much to try to prevent cross play and things like that. So we'll see if the only way I see the, like a lot of the like call of duty and stuff staying on playstation long term is either sony is gonna drop some massive cash towards them and and pay for it or i've seen people speculate that they might let game pass be on playstation 5 there is no chance in hell <laughs> that is that is not happening what 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 people need to realize and we'll talk about other acquisitions that could happen in, in a minute but um, the, the, the knee jerk reaction I saw is, is people being like, oh my God, uh, you know, Sony's going to go buy blah, blah, blah now. And what people need to realize is I think even after this deal, uh, Microsoft slash like Xbox has a hundred million dollars, a hundred billion dollars in cash, just liquid, just ready to be spent. And what I've read and learned about is that these big giant corporations don't like liquid cash because um, inflation can devalue that cash. So they would rather spend any liquid money they have on assets because assets hold value. And um, <laughs> I, I think I don't think Xbox is done acquiring. Um, I, I believe it was uh, Jeff Keighley posted a, a thing of like, hey, by the way, this is the the net worth or the asset cost of, of all of these other studios who are still independent. Um, the, the And we'll talk about those shortly. But why, why would Microsoft slash Xbox buy Activision Blizzard? Um, it's for Game Pass. So um, then that, that, there's a few factors there. So. Uh, one part of it is just like Bethesda at Zenimax, um, Activision Blizzard uh, is obviously a very worth, uh, a very uh, uh, a company with lots of assets that's worth a lot of money, but it's definitely been in a downtrend or at least a plateau when it comes to its creativity and its releases and things like that. Um, it, it's, it's probably not uh, getting any better under current leadership. And we actually found out from an interview that Bobby Kotick approached Microsoft after, and this was an interesting thing after approaching Google and Amazon, I think, or Apple that they approached other people or Facebook. I think it was Facebook. Um, they, they approached these other like little kind of companies first 
before they went to, so, so Bobby's looking to get out, at least in my opinion, that's what it seems like. And, um, I assume that this was Xbox reaching out to, to make these deals and it, and it doesn't seem like it was that way, which is definitely an interesting little, uh, tidbit in there. But the reason that they would go along with this is Game Pass. Uh, it, it was a big story just a few days ago that Sony is going to put out some type of Game Pass competitor. Um, now, there there is some limitation that people don't think they're going to do their first parties day one on here, which is stupid, but they can get away with it. Um, they, they, they don't think it's going to be quite have as many exclusives and stuff. Um, you know, like third party games on it that like day one, um, they think it's gonna be more of a focus on, uh, bringing more like PlayStation three titles to the, to the new gen systems and things like that. Um, and so the reason that Microsoft Xbox does this deal, um, and may do other deals with huge publishers is because say they don't say Activision Blizzard does its own thing and it has a pretty close relationship with Sony and it has for basically since the Xbox one released early 2010s. What's going to happen when Sony puts out their own version of game pass is then they are going to have to start going after exclusives for their own service. And any third party developer or publisher is going to be a huge target. So for example, Call of Duty easily could have been a game that Sony would pay a ton of money for and say, we want Call of Duty day one release on our Game Pass. And we do not want that game on Xbox at all for six months, say. And they would have to pony up a lot of cash to do that, but maybe they would. And that would be a huge driver for sales of their console to do that. So um, and, and it would retain a lot of people. And so I don't see this move as Xbox necessarily trying to buy up exclusive IPs. Uh, obviously that's what's happening, but what I, I see it way more of a move of them trying to ensure they can continue to put the biggest AAA games on game pass without competition. And, um, and, and I'm curious to how that works out with the regulators and and with the approval of this deal, because what, what I think may have to happen is there may be a point where the government says like, you can't make all of this, like this becomes a monopoly situation. And so what they do have the advantage of is they can do something along the lines of, okay, well, we won't make it exclusive to Xbox, but we're going to make it day one on game pass and we're going to keep game pass for 15 bucks. And then even if it is on other platforms, it's, it's such a hard argument to go pay for the same game for 70 bucks that you might only play for a month or two on PlayStation when you could just pay 15 bucks a month for a couple months, 30 bucks, you know, and play it for two months and then you're done, you know, or if you play it for longer, you get the benefit of Game Pass and all the other games on it. So um, I'm, I'm really curious, but I, I really don't see this as much of a play uh, of um, of. Xbox trying to be like, look at all of our exclusives. These are ours now. Cause everyone knows like they, they didn't cultivate these studios. They, they, they're just acquiring them. And, and, and I, and I think the point isn't necessarily to try to pretend like they've created these IPs, but is to lock these IPs up for their big service. That is their main selling point we've seen for years now. And I've talked about this last time, but I'm going to talk about it again. 
um, Xbox wants people to play on Xbox platforms. It doesn't care if you, they, they don't care if you buy a series X or a series S or a one X or a one, um, or if you play on PC, they don't care. They, they just want you to play through their pipeline. Whereas Sony is obviously still very, very obsessed with the idea of, you know, we want you to buy a Sony PlayStation to play our amazing first party games. And the main reason I think that that's still the case and it's going to be for a while is, is they are still releasing their, they are releasing some of their first party games on PC, but they're doing it three or four years later. And the simple fact is, in my opinion, and I talked about this before, if they release day and date PC and PS five, all their big first party games, the last of us, God of war, you know, all of these games, ratchet and clank, they would sell more copies total. I have no doubt. I saw people saying like, well, God of war is getting this big new shot of attention. It is, but you never get more of a shot of attention than when you have that lead up to the game releasing. Yeah, sure. There's some reinterest later on, like right now, especially because Ragnarok is probably coming late this year, early next year a sequel to this God of War game, but I, I just, there's no hype, like release hype, man. And, and I think the fact that PlayStation is still not willing to do day one on PC is because they want you to have to buy a PlayStation and soon have to buy a PlayStation five to play their games. And it's because they really, really care about console sale numbers. And I think Xbox has just accepted like, Hey, we aren't going to outsell them on consoles not going to happen. And that's fine. We're going to win in this other platform, which is probably, you know, 10 years from now, I think game pass subscribers is going to be a more significant measurement of success than console sales or subscription subscribers, you know, whatever, however you want to say it. So I, I, I think that's why they're, I think that's why Xbox is doing this. They are trying to lock up for the long term to not have to compete, to have these really great games on their service. And they don't have to worry about PlayStation coming in, scooping up exclusives under them. So that's why I think they're doing it. What do I think the short term impacts are? So, um, I, I don't, I, when it comes to Xbox, it's not going to be much until the deal is approved. And then even after that. You know, these, these, these big studios and publishers are, 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 are giant boats and they take a long time to turn, you know, um, I, I do think Xbox is going to try to get in there and get rid of problematic management and problematic ways of running these companies. Um, but that takes a long time and, and, it, and it's going to be a while. Um, some of these studios are starting to unionize and stuff like that. And I think that's really good. I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think Xbox is probably going to be fine with that. They almost have to be from a PR perspective, but they are going, you know, it, it's going to be a while. We're not going to see every Activision Blizzard game on Game Pass tomorrow. It's not going to happen. This is going to be a long process. Um, we didn't see that with Bethesda Zenimax. It was until after the deal was done. And, uh, and, and this deal with Activision Blizzard, if it gets approved, probably won't be until early next year, 2023. So, so there we go. So what about the long-term impacts? Um, I, I think it means a bunch more exclusive games for Xbox, especially Game Pass Day One. 
Um, we're talking about the, the next Diablo, the, you know, all of the upcoming call of duties, anything that's, you know, Starcraft and Warcraft and things like that. Um, hopefully it means in the long run, a, a better culture and development experience at Activision Blizzard. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, some really awful shit got detailed in this lawsuit um, from the state of California against Activision Blizzard. And we need to keep in mind, and it was confirmed today that um, that that lawsuit will move to Xbox when this deal gets finished. So it will become their headache. And I suspect that hopefully new management will resolve that lawsuit faster. But who knows? And um, and hopefully, if they have anything to hold against Bobby Kodak in that situation, uh, he he gets some justice. But you know, I think we've all learned to not expect uh, super duper rich white guys to ever have to pay for anything that happens or that they do or commit. So I won't hold my breath on that one. Um, possibly the most exciting thing would be a higher quality and a more variety from these studios instead of having like four or five studios, you know, every three years switching off who puts out the, the next annual call of duty game. Maybe you have like you, you, you take one studio and they make call of duty games and they put them out like every two or three years. And then you let some of these other studios make other games, you know, uh, you know, this Activision Blizzard, I'm not going to go through the list, but I saw the list of the IPs that Xbox is acquiring here. And it's some like really legendary games. It's like the Tony Hawk franchise. Like, like if you look through this list, you see a bunch of games that if you're my age, if you're in your thirties, you're like, holy crap, that game was awesome. And you realize they haven't made one in 15, 20 years. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of new IP that they are going to have access to that they could potentially put some of these studios on who have been, you know, held up doing being support studios for this juggernaut call of duty franchise. And they might be able to make some other stuff, make some brand new IP. The thing about these studios is while they may have, you know, their, their, their job to support call of duty and stuff, those people are still, you know, being creative on the side and, and and making up game ideas and mechanic ideas and things like that. And, and hopefully we're going to see some of those studios actually get to work on those things, but we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. So more acquisitions. Are we going to get more? Um, so I think, I think Xbox is absolutely looking for more. So I touched on this before, before I stopped myself, cause I knew I had a whole section for this. So here, let's lay this out. So, um, uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft has, I think it's almost $200 billion in liquid assets, liquid cash to spend. And they need to spend that because if they don't, that, that money can get devalued from inflation. So they're going to spend money. This, this, this deal is obviously a part of that, right? Uh, I believe the liquid assets of PlayStation is like 20 to $25 billion, which is a ton of money, but this is a situation where people need to realize that Microsoft is worth trillions of dollars. And Sony is worth billions. These are two companies that while Sony kicks Xbox's butt in console sales, you know, third person action, Sony adventure games, you know, they, they kick, they, they, they wipe the floor with Xbox in those two categories. But what you need to realize is that Sony can't just go out and buy a publisher like this. They could borrow money. They absolutely could take a loan and they're a giant company. So they get a good interest rate and loans are cheap right now. At least they were recently. 
So that's always a possibility, but that's not really Sony's way of doing things. And so I've seen speculation of people saying, oh man, Sony's going to go buy Ubisoft. Sony's going to go buy EA. Sony's going to do all of this stuff. I don't think they will because I don't think they want to. And I don't know if they can. Um, now, I think that Sony, uh, they do have relationships with studios like Konami and Capcom and stuff where I could see them maybe buying one of those companies and those companies are much, much, much cheaper than, than like an EA. Um, and, and I could see that them make some moves there, especially, you know, they, they, that's a, it's a, they're, they're local publishers, right? Like other Japanese publishers and studios, I could see that happen. Um, but I, I really, all of the people who I see, you know, talking about Sony clapping back by buying like EA, Sony probably can't afford EA. And, and one of the biggest differences is that these, for the most part, unless it's a hostile takeover, which we saw with uh, Vivendi, with Ubisoft a few years ago, or what Vivendi attempted to do, failed, we, we, you have to realize that, um, you know, a, a, a Zenimax Bethesda, a Activision Blizzard, these, um, the people who aren't going to leave, like Bobby Kotick, um, are, are, are going to go into these deals knowing, like with Xbox, they're going to be under the Xbox umbrella. Obviously they'll get some directives and, and some changes from Xbox to, to match up with their company culture and things like that. But for all intents and purposes, it sounds like modern Xbox buys studios and then just kind of lets them do their thing, like double fine, uh, making psychonauts two and stuff like that. Like it, it really seems like they really do give these publishers and developers that dream of not worrying about paychecks that you just make some cool shit. And that's not what happens when Sony buys studios. When Sony buys studios, they'll change their name. They'll wrap them into a whole new studio. They'll, they'll get rid of one studio and, and, or, or rename the studio. And, and they, and they come into this Sony, you know, fold where they become a Sony studio and they do what Sony wants. And, and I'm sure the, the two situations are more similar than they're different, but, but there is a, a matter of an EA getting bought by Sony would mean that most of the EA studios would no longer be what they are. They would become a new thing. And, and I think that's a less exciting venture where like I'm, what I'm basically saying here is I think Ubisoft and EA are absolutely targets of Xbox. Um, they both have existing relationships with Xbox and they have for a long time. Um, I think Ubisoft is more likely simply because it's worth like one fifth or something of what EA is worth or what it would cost to buy. Um, on this thing, this Jeff, this Jeff Keeley thing I talked about, he had posted that Ubisoft is worth $7 billion. So what, what you have to take into account with that is that, yeah, technically that's what they're worth. But that cost would balloon when you talk about IP rights. Like, like, like if if someone buys an Ubisoft, um, they are they have to then negotiate what all the Tom Clancy franchises, especially Siege, are worth. Uh, you have to talk about what uh, you know, like these two big licensed games that they're working on right now: Star Wars and Avatar, a James Cameron property and a Disney property. Actually, I think they're both Disney technically. Um, I mean, it, Ubisoft would cost more than seven billion, right? The reason I think Ubisoft is actually a decent target, though, is because Eves Eves Guillemont, I believe, is his name, um, the CEO. Um, so Ubisoft is owned by a family, 
um yves is the 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 ceo but the, i i i believe there's multiple brothers and other family members involved in the upper echelon of of their management and he's not young and he's not going to want to do what he's doing forever especially while things have been kind of hard on ubisoft from a creative standpoint from a workplace happiness standpoint where there's been lots of issues similar to the activision blizzard situation with lots of abuse and abusers uh you know not being addressed appropriately and things like that and so there's not too many things more attractive to a rich old white guy than becoming way more rich and sailing off into the sunset which is definitely a possibility i mean it's it's a situation where if a microsoft purchased ubisoft he would get a big old fat check and he'd be gone forever and um ea is the one that i think is less likely i would love this to happen for ea simply because i would love to see um a studio like Bioware get the love and the support that they really deserve because I want this next Mass Effect game to be good so 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 bad and um even though I know it's like four or five probably six years away I just want it to be good and and I just want Bioware to make dope games again because uh I'm I'm playing another stupid Mass Effect run right now and it's just such a good game and 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 even if the next game isn't what i want it to be i still just want to play it and have fun but anyways um there's a there's some other studios uh, as well like square and stuff like that that could be targets um i think that's more of a target for sony though from a cost and from a content perspective but um either way i think more acquisitions are coming maybe later this year maybe next year um, i don't know we'll have to wait and see so, um, and then uh, some possible issues. I already kind of mentioned this that the, the government could block this deal um, if they if they aren't satisfied with um, monopoly issues or other issues. Um, that there is a PR issue of of this whole thing of this. Oh, Xbox can't make any studios themselves, so they have to buy them. I don't think Xbox gives a shit. Like I said before, I don't think they're doing this for prestige. I think they're doing this to shore up this giant investment they've made in Game Pass. And I think the last numbers were is that they went from 18 to 25 million subscribers on Game Pass over the last year or so, which is bonkers. And I'm sure that's been encouraged a little bit by COVID and things like that. But still pretty impressive and it's you know deals like this are only going to boost those numbers more especially as they take effect if they pass so um, i'll be curious if, if the government puts any limitations or, or some stipulations on this deal like i said before maybe they'll allow um, xbox to make these things like day one game pass games but not necessarily let them make every single activision and uh, blizzard game a 100 xbox exclusive that may get into a weird spot where uh, maybe regulators feel like that's making microsoft a little too powerful which they have experience with in the past so so yeah xbox buys activision blizzard damn next story is talking about the rainbow six extraction release uh, it was re released on pc playstation and xbox including on day one game pass 
Um, general, general reception uh, has been mixed, uh, but it does have a meta score of 72. And reviews seem to be swaying between not feeling like anyone really wanted this game and that it's not all that inspired to those who say it's a lot of fun with friends and it just takes those solid uh, siege mechanics and puts it into a co-op single player type of game. Personally, I I find it it's fine. Um, I was able to play it a few weeks ago, and I can't really talk about that. But I have played it now since its full release, and it's just so generic. I I don't like. I'm not a big Siege fan. I I appreciate Siege. I don't care to play it. Um, Siege is one of those games where if you stop playing for a week, I feel like you just get left behind. So. You know, I, I just, yeah, I'm not really deep into that game and that community and stuff like that. So this game kind of never really grabbed me because of that to a point. Um, I, I just think it's so subjective. It's only 40 bucks if you don't have Game Pass. So it's not like it's a $60, $70 full price game. Um, and, and, this, and this thing falls into, if you've listened to this podcast or watched my streams, I've talked a lot about this directive I was told about from multiple Ubisoft employees where there was this directive two or three years ago where um, Ubisoft saw the success of Fortnite being a reuse of assets from the the zombie Fortnite game the single player co-op game uh that they then turned into a br that then became the biggest br ever and ubisoft of course late to the party like they always are basically told all their big studios hey take your existing ip have a team make like a double a free to play or like 40 dollar type game and get them out as quickly as possible. Use existing assets, use existing mechanics. And we want, you know, the studio and the studio and the studio to do that. That's why we have games like Extraction. That's why we have games like Phoenix Rising, which was fantastic. Extraction is Rainbow Six Siege. Phoenix Rising was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, Hyperscape was Assassin's Creed Unity. Uh, it, it's all reused assets from that game. Uh, X Defiant is the, the Division 2. Um, that's why X Defiant is a first person shooter in the Snowdrop engine that just happens to all of the maps that we know of so far are division maps, uh, and there's division agents in it or division enemies, no agents. Uh, and then they just kind of threw in some other games, which is a whole different rant that I won't get on again right now. Um, as well as other games like uh, Ghost Recon Frontline and things like this, I assume are going to also be these asset reuse games. Um, side note. Heartland, for various reasons, both speculative and secret, uh, Heartland, I don't believe is one of these games. I believe Heartland came about a very different way, which I'll explain in more detail later, <laughs> not right now. So yeah, but this extraction game, I, I, I appreciate, I like seeing that there are people having fun with it, um, like most games. Even like the worst game in the world is fun with friends. And so not that this is the worst game in the world, but it's probably not the, the best game that's going to come out this year. I definitely don't agree with some of the sensational and hyperbolic statements I've heard about saying it's not a real game or that it should have been free or whatever. It's that's just clicky. That's just clickbait. So don't ignore people who make those kind of statements, in my opinion. Um, you know, but don't, don't say it out loud. They may block you. And, um, I, I just, 
I, I think this obviously has an audience it was intended for. It's probably not a wide audience and um, it will probably be successful in that way. But I do fear that in a month, we no one will be talking about this. Um, I'm sure it has a, you know, content plans and all that stuff. And I highly appreciate the developer's work and everyone's work who went into this game and will go into, you know, the content afterwards. But this just kind of screams another situation of a game that Ubisoft's just kind of going to poop out, make the money they can off of it, and then move on uh, in, in a greater scheme. So... I don't know how many more of these are going to come. My guess is Frontline is the last one we're going to see that comes from this reuse of asset uh, directive. Um, I, I think since that project or since that movement happened, uh, there's a lot of new people in charge at Ubisoft and that um, are pushing Ubisoft more towards letting their studios make more unique experiences and not having every single game starting to converge into the exact type, same type of game. I really hope that we're, you know, in the next two, three, four years, we'll start to see the Ubisoft games have a little bit more identity and uh, be a little more unique and start to do their own thing and not just all be third person, open world, tower climbing, checkpoint destroying games that that would be super cool but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what happens with that um i don't plan on playing much of extraction i i, I think i'm gonna try to stream it over this coming weekend and play it a little bit but it's just one of those things that when i play it i you know you have these i think the graphics look kind of bad uh, the enemies are so generic and so cheesy and lame. Some of the mechanics are really cool in the way that they've, um, they're reusing some of the gadgets and, and stuff like that from the operators. That stuff is really cool, but I don't know. I, I just feel like there's like 15 things they could have done with the siege franchise or, or with rainbow six in general. Um, that would have been a lot more interesting than, you know, expanding on a limited mode they did three years ago. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this game will sell like gangbusters and we'll get extraction two in two years. Well, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Next story. Dragon age four is more than a year away. In another games beat article, this time by Jeff Grubb, we find out that dragon age four is probably more than a year away. Quote, BioWare's fantasy role-playing franchise is still a long way from its return. Dragon Age 4 is still in the works, but don't expect to see it for at least a full year from now at the earliest. This is still in line with what I wrote in July about the game launching in 2023, but don't take that to mean early 2023. A summer release is the earliest possible time frame for the launch of Dragon Age 4, and even that is a vague hope more than a real target. Freelancer Tom Henderson reiterated this timeline in a tweet today. According to his source, the game has no chance of launching this year, 2022. But this isn't the result of some internal delay or anything. EA has long known that Bioware wasn't getting it ready for 2022, end quote. So Dragon Age, um, for me, so this is a big story to me and it has nothing to do with Dragon Age 4. <laughs> it's because we know at this point, um, it, it, it's its development is going to impact mass effects development the next game so 
Um, I've played Inquisition, um, and, and it's cool. I'm just not into medieval high fantasy type games. Uh, I've tried multiple times. I, I don't care for The Witcher. Uh, I couldn't really get into Inquisition. It was okay, but it just doesn't look great. And I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I just can't get into it, even though I did like the characters when I played. Um, so, so this, this, this kind of genre or this setting aesthetic just isn't my thing. Um, but I appreciate it. There's, um, the, the, the crossover between Mass Effect fans and Dragon Age fans is very thick. So while I'm not a big fan of it, um, I see a lot of people who I like, uh, who I follow and stuff who like Mass Effect really excited for this. And honestly, uh, 2023 isn't the, it's not that far away. Um, and in today's world where time both feels very slow and very fast, uh, that will in theory be here before we know it. And it also means that we'll probably start seeing some stuff from Dragon Age 4 like this summer um, and late this year. Uh, some gameplay and things like that. Um, if you don't know or if you don't remember, Dragon Age 4 was originally going to be this big live service multiplayer game. And a couple years ago, um, they kind of put out a statement or it was revealed that they were getting rid of that. They were scrapping that and they were just trying to make it a single player, non-life service, just story game. And that mostly came from feedback and pushback from the failures that Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem were, uh, which ironically, Andromeda ceased development and all their DLCs got canceled so they could focus on Anthem, which develop its development and all of its DLCs got canceled so they can move on to Dragon Age 4. And then now we know Mass Effect next, whatever that's going to be called. So, you know, it's it, it it seems like Bioware is a, is a developer that everyone is very skeptical of, but everyone really wants to succeed. And, and, and especially, honestly, this story to me meant nothing a year ago. I didn't care about Mass Effect. I didn't care about Dragon Age. I didn't care about Bioware. If anything, I was all over those memes of like <laughs> Andromeda, <laughs> Anthem, you guys are idiots. This, you know, and now that I'm a big Mass Effect fan because I'm easily swayed and i actually kind of like andromeda it's got tons it's like mostly a bad game but it's got some really cool things in it so don't tell anyone um th this news is this this is hopeful it's it's if it, if it releases next year then that's a pretty solid development cycle for dragon age 4 even with some big people leaving Fairly recently, I think the main game director left in the last couple months and lots of stuff going on there. Hopefully they, they can kind of keep pushing through. Um, but honestly, in the most selfish way possible, um, it's been a pretty uh, reported on story at this point that the um, the, the next Mass Effect game won't get uh, won't start development full actual development until dragon age four releases so i mean this is a, it's totally selfish of me to want this game to come out asap because i'm sure i'll play dragon age four i, I want to see um something from bioware that's newer than anthem and to kind of see where their headspace is um, i'm actually not one who is really feeling like dragon age four will be a, a thermometer for the next mass effect though uh, for a few reasons um, Mass, uh, just Dragon Age 4 has gone through some huge changes in the type of game it's going to be and it's supposed to be and it's still going to be on the Frostbite engine 
Whereas the next Mass Effect, they brought back a bunch of the OG writers and, and people from the original trilogy. Um, they're moving it back to Unreal 5, which is super exciting, in my opinion. Um, I just, I, I think that there will be some to take from Dragon Age 4 to what to expect for the next Mass Effect, but not as much as I think people are going to try to make it seem. So we'll have to wait and see. The final one here is kind of a quick story. Battlefield 3.3's uh, update for 2042 has been announced. Uh, in a VGC article by Tom Ivan, we find the details of this upcoming patch. Quote, Battlefield 2042 update 3.3 is planned for release uh, in mid to late February. Quote, alongside other features uh, that have been in the works since DICE resumed work from the holidays, uh, it will include a refreshed scoreboard UI with a new panel that showcases how players are sticking, stacking up across the server with further scoreboard updates to, uh, to follow at a later date. Quote, DICE had also said that matchmaking preferences and all-out warfare uh, and support for in-game voice chat are still on its radar. So I really want Battlefield 2042 to be successful. I want it to get updates and new things to do. I have very much enjoyed playing 2042. It's the most fun I've had since Battlefield 3, probably. Um, but I like I, I got my reward. I you know, I, I hit my whatever number of kills for each gun. I kind of got used to all the maps, and so I'm chilling. Um, you know, it's 2042 has been treated very much like cyberpunk um which is frustrating to me because while both games are very flawed on release um i i feel like you know and i can't really speak for cyberpunk but 2042 is a lot of fun it's a really fun game to play even even if it's flawed and it's really become its own enemy in the way that a lot of journalists and creators are covering it like like you can't even hit like like it burns your hard drive when you try to start it and you can't play games anymore and you get banned from the world, which is not true. You know, like it's not a perfect experience. It's, you know, there's decisions they made that were probably not wise with this game. And, um, but it's still really good. It, it's a really good game that people should check out. And, uh, it, what, what's most interesting to me is that there's rumors that they might cut the, uh, the, their survival mode thing they put in, which is, it's just awful. It's so bad. I, I'm surprised they put it in. I, uh, they, they really kind of hyped it up too. And, um, and then it was pretty feature poor. Um, and even this portal thing, which in theory has been the most popular part of 2042. Um, I believe there's talk that it may get like split off uh, as its own game. And then they'll just let battlefield 2042 be battlefield 2042 and really focus on trying to get some of the features in that people really want from a battlefield game um, and, and, and making that game the way it's supposed to be. The concern is that player, you know, the player base has dropped a lot. They're, they, they're getting shit on every day. And when this happened with battlefield five, they just stopped doing DLC and moved on. So um, what I'm, what I'm afraid of is that's, what's going to happen to 2042, because it seemed like the reception to 2042 is even worse than five at this point. I don't think it's deserved, but I'm also sick of playing world war two games and I cannot fathom enjoying playing a world war one game. I actually, I, I enjoyed battlefield one for a while. I played a decent amount. It's just so boring. I, I, I don't know. Sorry. I, I, I need modern stuff now. <laughs> I've had enough World War II and bold actions. So 
Okay, so we are going to move on to listener questions. This week we have Master Prime on Discord. I cut one question because I covered it earlier, but uh, here. Is Game Pass more quantity over quality? Um, I think right now it's quantity, but I think in recent months and moving forward, it'll be both. Obviously, at first, Xbox didn't have very many good exclusive games, and their quality was coming from you know grabbing third-party games and putting them on game pass so you could play it on game pass for 15 bucks per month rather than paying 60 for it like you would on playstation or whatever and i think that's changing um even this month like they have the mass effect legendary edition on game pass that's wild that's so cool like it's all three mass effect games remastered not remade or whatever the difference is um it it looks better than the old ones but they didn't remake it from scratch right but it's so good and there's so many good games on there like death's door and there's just there's a bunch of really good games on game pass so i think right now they're in the in the transition of being quantity over quality to being both and as they release more and more first party games like halo halo definitely boosted the quality side um uh, you know, Hellblade when that comes out, uh, Stalker 2, and, and a bunch of these games that are coming this year and next year uh, and in the years ahead, um, I, I think that's where they're going to hit both of those. And it's, you know, now with the Activision and Blizzard and with Bethesda and Zenimax and Starfield is going to be day one game pass, you know. Um, and I'm pretty confident at this point that that's going to be a pretty big deal. So, um, Good question. I think we're transitioning from one to both. Uh, Second question is the division heartland, the future of the division PVP community. I guess I I think that community is really tiny. I think it's very small. It's very vocal (laughs) and, and they like to be heard. That's for sure. Um, I, I just, I think that community, even in the divisions, heydays, division one and two, um, the, the number I was, told was that roughly only 5% of active players participate in PVP. Um, and that's not very many people. It's a, it's a good number. It's a decent number of people. Um, but if you look at the actions of massive and Ubisoft with the division games, one and two, you can tell that PVP isn't a priority to them. And it, it's not a priority because there's not enough people for it to be a priority. It's, it's not some evil vindictive, measure they're taking against pvp players it's because they look at their metrics and they see that so few people are interacting with that part of the game that it's not worth shoveling resources into or at least that's my take and that's the impression i've gotten so is it going to be the division the 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 future of the division pvp community i mean maybe but i doubt it's even going to be as pvp focused of a thing as people think it's going to be so Whereas they want it to be some of those people. So um, maybe kind of, I don't know. I, I really think the division PVP community should, should find better PVP games. That's my very frank statement is that if you enjoy division PVP, all the power to you. That's cool. Like I genuinely, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. If, if you enjoy that experience, super cool. I can't imagine why. And, um, that's just my take. Um, I think there are too many other 
really good competitive or even arcadey PvP games out there that are just supported so much better, that have higher tick rate servers, better balance. I, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine that being a thing I invest time into. Um, but for those who do, obviously they have their reasons and all the power to them. Hopefully Heartland is a thing that they enjoy. That's all I think I'm allowed to say. <laughs> um, for some content updates to wrap this up, uh, apologies for a break from streaming. Um, it's basically just been the, the first month of the year is always really crazy for my wife. She's a teacher who's in charge of like a ton of things in her school. And this is when all of that stuff kind of culminates. And basically um, I spend all of my extra time uh, picking up and caring for our daughter on my own. Um, that is starting to wrap up. Um, so I am starting to get into a position where I feel like I'm not stressed enough to jump on and stream. Uh, another part, honestly, is that there's not really games I want to stream right now. Um, Tarkov is going. I'm kind of burning out on that. I'm going back to playing like some Mass Effect and stuff. And my Mass Effect streams are never too popular. <laughs> so um, it's kind of a wait for a game. Um, I mean, th this year, the, the big things I'm waiting for for streaming is Heartland and the Division 2 content. Even if I focus on a lot of other subjects now, those two things are still, you know, what I know the, the majority of people who are in my circle, even my very extended circle, care about. And when I stream those things, that's when I'll probably have the most people paying attention. And so while I'm excited for Starfield and you know, Hellblade 2 and, you know, Stalker 2 and a lot of these other things. I know that Heartland and Division 2 DLC or expansion seasons, whatever it's going to be, um, is, is, is what's going to be the most, make the most sense for me to focus on. So when that stuff comes, I'll definitely be back into it. Um, but I would like to start jumping on at least a couple times a week again, even if I just play Mass Effect by myself and no one talks to me. That's fine. I can handle that. I'm a big boy. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see about that. So keep an eye on it and, um, you know, keep an eye on the Twitter for stream announcements. And that's where we're going to wrap this baby up. So, uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, um, including on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, please consider donating to my Extra Life 2020 campaign and check out uh, my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch. Links to all of that are down in the description of this video or podcast, and you can find them over on my Twitter. And that's all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go get some more.